Coming up when the post-game podcast ends, the post-podcast podcast begins. Talking everything from the most recent matchup to other narratives around the Brooklyn Nets. And tonight, is Cameron Johnson taking a step back? We talk about the regression of the off-season big budget contract here in a moment. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. He's Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're 100% free on all those great platforms. And Doug, it is the post-pod pod. It's where we maybe carry over a narrative we didn't quite get to. If you're in on the live chat, obviously, as we always say, at Locked On Nets, throw your questions up. We'll be sure to get to them. One, Cameron Johnson. Why didn't we talk about him more? Well, he was 5 of 12, 3 of 7 from deep, 13 points. In 29 minutes of game action, 29 minutes of game action. Some people speculate that maybe he's still coming back. The injury, fatigue, the whatever. He sat on the bench a lot in FIBA. That could be wearing him down a little bit. Where is your concern level right now with Cameron Johnson based on what we thought was a pretty pretty reasonable baseline expectation coming into the year? Yeah, it's so funny. This is a guy, we mentioned it briefly a couple of podcasts ago, that this is a guy that we just haven't spoken much about this year. Because it hasn't been good enough to really spend an episode talking about him. And it mm-hmm. hasn't been bad enough to sort of start to panic about it. It's just been kind of, eh, you know, it's been kind of like, it's just been, it hasn't been bad. It, it hasn't been great. There's like no world where he's not like, he's not probably vastly underperforming the contract. Once you back out the injuries like that's happened to everybody. Sure. So I'm not going to count injuries against the guy. Um, so like his, his rate stats aren't a disaster zone and no one would make the contention that he's outplaying the contract at all. I mean, yeah. it's not even close to that. And so he just gets stuck in this sort of no man's land of on the court, sees his minutes, hits some threes. That's kind of it. <laughs> and I don't know if like that ranks as a disappointment at this point. I think that, the, I think that it's been just kind of regular for this amount of money over this many games, I I probably think we are probably trending into the disappointment territory um, just because it just, there's, there's been no growth. We talked about this guy as a potential and maybe this is our bad, but we've been talking about as a potential most improved player. Like he's going to see a ton more shots. We'll see the game expand. He got paid. There's been none of that. Uh, it's the numbers are the same slash worse as they were with the, when he was with the Nets last year. And like, yeah. well, a couple are a tick better, but it's just like, it's like the same. And I don't know. I think that, that's probably below expectations. And you talk about the month of December alone. Now you would back out the blowout game, obviously against Denver only plays 22 minutes, but even at that 17 points, that that that's his month high right now. He's averaging 13 points a game in the month of December. Now, the thing you can like about it is the three point shooting seems to have come on a bit stronger here. 43% for the month. He's closer to last season's number 38 than, than maybe is what we think his career average should be above 40. So like, there's these little things you can look and point at the shots uh, in terms of number of attempts. That's basically identical from last year. The three point attempts are basically identical from last year. And you're right. Like maybe, maybe the most improved attachment. I mean, well, not maybe clearly that was an overstep on our part based on what we've seen so far this season. But on top of that though, like we were saying, you know, last year with the, with the nets, he averaged a little over 16 points a game. 
And we said, okay, can you expect him to be a 20-point scorer? Maybe not, but 18-plus, sure. He's not going to come near that number, right? He's trying to push himself up to 15 points a game. Now, maybe the Cam Thomas, you know, explosion and his emergence and being in the starting lineup affects it. But, but you'd like to think that the gravity of having a scorer like that would make it even easier for a Cam Johnson to have some success. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know when I would start to push the, ugh, <laughs> this is not necessarily what we thought we were investing in button, but we're close to it. Like I, I, he needs to be a 17, 18 point score, a 16 point score minimum every single night. And it shouldn't really take a Herculean effort to get there. It's funny too, because I could probably explain away all the dips in, in production, right? Like the, the usage is down and the shots per game are down because cam Thomas's are way, way up, right? Oh, if you could yeah, just right. compare it to last year, if you just can, if you just go back to last year and look at his numbers from last year, when he was with only with Brooklyn, right? Isolate just for his time with Brooklyn. And then you look at, um, this year you're like, okay, the shots are down. It's like, well, Cam Thomas is taking way more and everyone's fine with that. Right. So, and there's only so many shots to be had. And so that explains that. But beyond that though, I just think that like, even with that, even with that under and Cam missed a bunch of time too. So like, it, um, so there was some yeah. injury there for Cam Thomas. And it's not like we saw a great expansion during that time either, right? Um, and then you're like, okay, well, the defensive stats are way down. Well, they're playing a different scheme here. They're playing more drop. It's going to lead to less stuff, like less stuff at the rim for him, which is going to mean less steals and less blocks. And his his numbers are basically the same as they were when he played in Phoenix when they played drop defense with Aiton. So it's like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense too, right? Um, if you're just going to change the defensive stuff, you're going to you, you were just going to be less on the ball near the rim when guys are taking shots so you get less blocked. Okay. I think it's just this general feeling though. It's like I can look at each individual number and say, I could probably explain that. Right. But I just still think that there was an expectation that he'd be like more like a number two, right? A number two kind of guy uh, in it, terms of it, scoring. Based, based on the current Brooklyn Nets hierarchy, right? He'd be your number two behind I mean, what, what, what is he's a fifth best player this year? Sixth? I, like, I, it's <laughs> you can't put him higher than he's that. You can't put him in the top five, probably, right? Like, it, got, like seasons that you take over his right now. I'm mean, listening not in any order. No, no, Cam no. Thomas for sure. Yep. Mikhail Bridges for sure. Yep. Dinwiddie for sure. Yep. Um, Claxton probably. And probably and probably Dorian Finney Smith too. If we're being honest. Like, I mean, he'll at least be right there, right? I mean, listen, based on expectations, you'd have it to shouldn't right? even be close. The problem is we shouldn't even yes, be it exactly. shouldn't even be close on these discussions. Like, we shouldn't even there should be no debate really after coming out of last year about this list. He, you know, the, the, it should be definitive, and it's just not. And I think that's the problem. And just to clarify here, I mean, he's taken, he's averaging almost 12 shots per game this year. Same exact number that he was averaging last year coming over to Brooklyn. He's averaging the same exact average of three-point shot attempts per game. One other area that I'll even I'll even look at too was I, I thought, and this is just solely, I think, a me thing. He averaged three and a half uh, free throw attempts last yeah. year in 27 games with Brooklyn. That was a big jump from any other season playing in Phoenix. It's right back down to a, to a shot and a half at the line. I, I thought that... Some of the closeouts, and again, you want him shooting three-pointers first, but I just thought that the way I perceived his game to be, oh, okay, now in the closeouts, he'll be able to get in the lane a little bit more. He'll be able to attack at the basket a little bit more. He's very good, actually, and last year, he, he went towards the basket more in coming over to Brooklyn than he had previously with Phoenix. So there were all these little breadcrumbs that I thought were going to lead to something a little bit better. Maybe it is, though, again. He had injuries early in the season. He has not played the same level of minutes that other guys have here. Like that, I find a little bit interesting too. And maybe it just comes down to roles and where everybody fits in. I want to ask a, maybe a rotation question about that. And we'll open up to some comments as well. But do you have, if rewind it back, is this off season contract 
as for Cam Johnson as much about Mikhail Bridges as it is about Cameron Johnson? Like, is there like at least a little bit of this? Just it's not, it's not, it's not Mikhail Bridges strong arm in the organization. It's just the organization like kind of reading the room and saying Mikhail Bridges loves Cameron Johnson. He came over in the trade. He is a good player. And we're not really going to scoff at like overspending a bit here because this is kind of the, the harmonious nature we're going for to start this season. I will answer that in one second. Ooh, First, I'll tell you one more time about our friends over at FanDuel. No better time to get in on the FanDuel action with new customers over on FanDuel. Get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right. You put in a, a bet on the money line. Your team wins. You're going to grab 150 bucks in bonus bets. Use those bonus bets on everything on the site. Spreads, over-unders, player. I mean, so many player props. You'll spend, you can spend the whole day just going through all the different player props. This is an IKB situation too. I know better. Get in on those player props, especially when it comes to the Nets. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Tip off this NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Okay, so uh, you little tease you. Go ahead and answer the question. Do you do you think that that played a factor at all potentially for this team? Okay, so no one disagreed with resigning him. No one really disagreed with the money. I think there was pretty universal understanding that the contract was fine. It wasn't like a max contract or anything. There's bonus. It's it's bonus laden. So I think the average yearly thing is like eighteen or nineteen. Um, it's far not a great kind of where we were all fearing it could have ballooned to the way it was exactly structured. probably a little bit above market, but I think if I'm just if we're remembering our sentiment at the time, it was, this is fine. Right. Yep. Like now, and we always knew there was going to, he was going to get paid. These guys are the face of the Durant contract. They were the new, the twins, like they're attached to the hip. They were the guys that came in for Durant. It's important to kind of keep that consistency. Selling these guys off would have just not something that the organization was interested or is interested in doing mostly from the optics. And so I don't think like Mikhail Bridges got him the money. I think all the other stuff, I think he was a good player. He's a good player. Right. right. And he happened to be tied to the biggest trade the organization made ever. I mean, or mm -hmm. recent years with Durant and just to have him get shipped out for nothing or, you know, lose him in restricted free agency, which is not something they were going to do. And so I don't have a problem. I don't. I don't. So I don't think any of that's the truth. I think it's just mostly been like the, I go back to my, my thing before. It's you wanted to see some kind of leap, and there just hasn't happened. <laughs> I think yeah. that's what it is. You want to see some kind of linear growth, and there hasn't been any. And uh, I think that's the, have, that's the problem. I'm gonna have a follow up question here, but actually, just to open it up to some of the comments, this is a good one from Just Tweaking. Kyrie pieces are no better way. than KD pieces. How no about that? Bridges? This bridge is by far the <laughs> best part of any of these deals. Come on. <laughs> Stop if it, you were talking about it. if you were talking about DFS, you know, DFS plus versus the picks. Cameron Johnson, right? Like, you know, you, you might be having a conversation. Well, I, well yeah, I mean, you put Dinwiddie plus Dinwiddie right. plus DFS plus the picks. I, it's not it's not close because Mikhail's so much better. But um, but it is it, think, it is actually a little more interesting than not. Right. Just with the way Cameron Johnson's performed at this point. Does this now to you, though? This is probably the next good question. Um, Does this open up to you the possibility of saying, hey, when we think about our rotations, Cameron Johnson no longer needs to be looked at as, well, of course he's starting when he's healthy. Is there a world where you start to think about like maybe the bet we have some best versions of lineups where we put you in the second unit and maybe that actually makes you more effective or gives you a better chance to maximize what your value is. See, I think this is the problem with the conversation. I, I don't think any of us are contending that he's been bad. He has not been bad. Like no, no, he's been, no. he's been fine. He's been fine. It's, yeah. it's that the expectation, this is the, what always happens to us too. Everybody. You, when you make more money, the expectations go up. That's just what happens. Everyone's more, money, more problems. 
They say that Cam Johnson, if he was a $1 player, he'd be the best player in the history of basketball at that <laughs> contract. Right. Okay. If he was getting paid $50 million a year, it'd be one of the worst $50 million a year. So we can all agree on the parameters at like, at some point, the contract's amazing. At some point it's a disaster. And now we're just trying to choose which, where in between it is. He's not been bad. He's been fine. He's been a fine player. He's been virtually identical to the player he was last year. The problem was last year he made a lot less money and he hadn't signed up for four years. The second you do that, the expectations go up and you expect the production to go up. That is the second part that has not happened. He's the Mm -hmm. same guy. He's the same guy. So if you just thought thought, 23 million was a fine number for that guy, then you're fine with it. And and probably for the most part we are. Again, we have not talked about this much because he's been mostly fine. It's just that that he just hasn't been better. And that's the problem. Right, and that, so, but I mean, I, feel like I got I just got filibustered here. I'll go back to my question, Doug. Sorry. Do you think it's okay to discuss him maybe being in the bench unit? It's, and and this is and I'm agreeing. Oh, no. with you. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, he's sorry. He's not no. been bad. He's been he's been good. Like he hasn't been the next step, but he's been good. This isn't even a knock on him. It's just about maybe there's just better value for him in this team if it's constructed around a different looking unit as opposed to always being assumed he goes in and starts. Okay, short answer. No, I would continue to start him. Sorry. Right. I thought I was kind of making that point, but I really wasn't. No, no, um, no. <laughs> I, I would continue to start him. That is not that is not the contention I'm trying to make. Um, this was a good one here. There's a couple of things. We'll hit a couple of uh, comments here. We're talking about just like, you know top five guys. Lonnie Walker for number five, if healthy. You want to put him in the mix there? Start, start nipping at the heels of DFS? I can't do that like because that. I, I can't do things like that because guys who get put in like the perfect situations against bench units and stuff like that. Like he's been great. Don't get me wrong, but he's also but maximized the, the starting unit and, and hold or it play down. 40 minutes or play. Th- I mean, like I, I can't, I mean, Johnson's not playing this many minutes either, but he's not playing 30 minutes a game every night. Right. right. Taking multiple defensive assignments. He's like, he was a get off the bench and cook guy. He's great. It's not nothing against Lonnie. I'm just saying it's, you can't really compare these guys. Like they're not, they don't do the same things. You can't, he's not your fifth best player. I mean, I don't. I, I he just hasn't played enough. I don't know. It's close. I'm no, not I trying to knock. Sometimes if you say something's not something, it sounds like you're knocking them. I'm, I'm not doing that. No, no, no. I think you know we've talked about this before. It's like who's your who's your uh, let's say like your five to eight, right? Your five to nine for this team. I, I think over two and three game stretches, you circle a different name and say, well, he was really critical for this run, right? This player really stepped up over these handful of games. Dorian Finney-Smith, in the absence of Cam Johnson at the start of the year, was absolutely critical for this team. So. Certainly some different angles to think about. But I, I, just to be clear, like by and large, and Doug's fine. Um, I've been fine with what Cameron Johnson has done. I just think I need to re- recalibrate my expectations, right? Just like bring him back down to neutral and then carry forward like that. Same way that I don't look at Royce O'Neal and go, well, why isn't Royce O'Neal coming in and locking up dudes defensively? Or why isn't he exceeding expectations by X or Y, right? Once you settle in on that, then you can look at them and, and I think evaluate them a little bit more accurately. Dude, Cam Johnson was the most expensive net playing tonight. <laughs> in oh, the yeah. high, he, he made the, he made the most money of any net um, on the court. Now that's, you know, a function of sort of like how things have like sort of shaken out. Like Mikhail has got one of the best contracts in the league right, right, right. easily right now. So it's where you can afford to, and obviously, you know, Simmons isn't around and Cam Thomas is still on the rookie contract, blah, blah, blah. But it is funny when you think about it, it's like, oh, he's the most, he's the most expensive bet. You're like, oh, it doesn't, that doesn't really track, that doesn't but well, that's just something. <laughs> it doesn't help when you're, you're like, oh, you are the 
highest paid player on the court right now. Interesting. Yeah, so it seems, and seems I noticed a little bit weird. kind of standing in the corner just seeing what happens. Like, yeah. So again, all right. If you have some questions. That's, the, that's also the funky nature just of like the way the nets and the Sim, you said Simmons contract, all this stuff. Like they're going to be, it's going to be weird waters all the way through next season too, by the way, because guess what? Ben Simmons money will still be here. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Uh, look at some, uh, throw 100%. some comments up here. Cam J and Doug must be friends. We're not friends. Um, I don't know. What you know what I do appreciate? Can I uh, can I use just tweak in here? We had him up before. Uh, I always appreciate Doug and I could sit here and do you know the thing? It's like I say a word, you say a word. It's like that little you know comedy routine. We could go word for word through a paragraph about say Cam Johnson and the way we feel about him, how he's played. <laughs> if there was a disagreement from the viewing or listening audience. It's always like uh, Doug, Cam Johnson fanboy. I love. I always get just slightly stepped off to the side doug's a real problem and i'm just right, here man. voice of the people it's all right i'm teflon none of this stuff bothers me you could say you'd be, you'd be shocked at how little any <laughs> how little any any comment or derision like that uh would bother me i got one here uh because oh, yeah. daryl's just through this other we've talked about this on the previous thing how do you have a player before this for those on the on the uh podcast feed how do you have a player with 40 not attempt to draw the final play for him why does jock still not rely on this kid like he should it's frustrating we talked about this a little bit ago so if you're just jumping into the live show um, just to really quickly round out on this, the final shot, I'm totally with you on this. I, I, this is confusing to me and I'm usually like, uh, I don't know, draw something up that makes sense. Like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for a guy or whatever, but the disparity in point scoring and efficiency was so stark in this game that it does feel like we are sometimes at times, it goes back to what we said about Jacques Vaughn and sort of like sometimes not trusting that he's going to trust the young guys or like what point he develops trust. This is, this to me feels like an example, another example of that, of he just doesn't, it's like begrudging to him. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to play young guys. It seems like, and maybe he just never wanted to play cam tons. Like, I'm not really sure. It's just like weird. I, I agree that it's weird that he didn't take the shot. Now, again, Mikhail bridge is like four games away from hitting a buzzer beater. So he has right. done this. <laughs> and, but I, I just don't think it's odd. More than anything, the footnote I'll put to that was is that like I think sometimes in a season like this, it's okay to quote, and I'm not. It wouldn't even be sacrificing, but it's okay to say we're going to quote sacrifice this game to try to give Cam Thomas this special moment. And by the way, it's like you're not sacrificing anything. He scored 41 points, right? But if in if you're philosophically you have things constructed a certain way around final sequences and who's going to get the shot and the game play plans that you draw up in a game where he's gone for 41, you go listen, throw it out. Let's let him have one. If it goes in, it's a beautiful thing, and it's a great moment for him, and you know whatever it looks like. And if he misses it, okay, so be it, right? And I, I, I'll leave. I'll say this, and this will come across like I'm defending Jock Vaughn. I think the push and pull of trusting young players, but also maybe overprotecting young players. Like I think that Vaughn at, at times goes out of his way to feel like I want to avoid these guys being in bad sequences. We talk about was Thomas taken out because of the fifth foul? protecting him against the sixth foul. Maybe he's done that with everybody. Is he doing it offense for defense? Cause he doesn't want to just be out there to take licks, you know, to try and defend Curry. Hey, listen, at some point it just is what it is. And these guys and can Thomas specifically has proven that he can get his butt licked on the defensive end and still go down the other way and keep firing and making buckets for you. Um, I'm going to highlight this real quick here. Just uh, so people know for a future episode, we will be talking about this. Anyone else sick of seeing can Thomas package for spider trades on the timeline. Listen, there's a lot of packages getting thrown around right now for Donovan Mitchell. I won't, I'm not going to say anything more than we are going to talk about it. We're going to examine the packages around and have that discussion. I have some fairly crystallized thoughts when it comes to 
um, a Donovan Mitchell trade and what the Nets should or shouldn't be doing. So we will be getting into that uh, upcoming this week. Just real quick, I had one that worked on the uh, on the trade machine. I'll, I'll give it to you real fast. Oh, here, here it was goes. Yeah, Ben Sim- <laughs> Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton, and Royce O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Nets get back Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. The money works. So yeah. <laughs> Nets are probably giving up too much there, just for me, you know. But but I, I put I that like up there. You got a good base. You would not believe how many people did not understand that was a joke. I'm never surprised by it, like by how many people don't get the joke. But no, you're always, no, we're always surprised. It's well, always surprised. here's the thing: there was lots that that not only a didn't get the joke, thought the Nets should say no. <laughs> like even, even worse off is that they were like, no they're like way. you're you're sending out Royce. What are you crazy? Come on. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, I heard, gonna... by the way, other discussions we can have is that I've also seen and we, we love the conversations. We love the, you know, the, the different talking points. I've seen people suggesting, think about extending Royce O'Neal. Let's extend Royce. Let's get him on a team friendly kind of contract here. Why talk about trades with him when you could go ahead and extend him until he's 34, 35 years old, just to really peak that value out. Tamro. Has, uh, has Dinwiddie ever changed a ref's mind? <laughs> That's just a good one. Just a, I love Tamro, you, you dirty so-and-so. I yeah. love this one. It's the most frustrating thing in the whole world to watch. I cannot stand when players do it. I get it. It's like ultra competitive, and these guys complain, and some of the best complain all the time. Dinwiddie complains all the time. He got the worst technical in the world. He was on a Camp Thomas open three, and he gets teed up. When they have the ball, <laughs> Like he just can't stop. Um, so having a discussion I, here. And I, but I, here's the thing though. I guarantee that this, his attitude like this is one thing that does not allow people to see that he is actually good. Like you have to dig deep because you watch, if you already don't like Dinwiddie and then you watch the constant complaining and like that stuff. And it's just so, it's so annoying. It's so annoying to watch it. Every, he gets fouled in his mind. He gets fouled every time he goes to the basket the hand goes up. You know what I'm doing? Like this, I can't do it in the camera. Like this thing, he's just yeah. like, the hand goes up because he gets out. That, I, I know for sure that that very, very, very annoying histrionic stuff that he does does get in ways for people to realize that he is actually good. <laughs> like, you know, it's, um, it's so funny because I have, I have, because I, I mean, we've talked about it. I know that it happens, but I do. Like I, I have such blinders on with that for Spencer Dinwiddie because of like, you know, it's like had him back in the day, helped the team goes away, comes back, whatever. But I know for a fact you put him on any other team and he's doing it. And I'm like, Jesus, this guy, like, so I know, like I know a hundred percent how annoying it would be to watch it happen. It's like watching Trey. We talked about Trey young, right? Like going to the lane, just backing himself into fouls. Yeah. Like there's certain things you just hate to see aesthetically. Um, yes. But I, it's, it's funny, my total self-awareness that like when Dinwiddie's doing it, I'm like, Maybe it works out. Maybe he gets the call. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe I can't stand it. it. I can't stand it. But I'm also able to divorce myself from the idea of like that does not influence what I think he is as a basketball player. He's been good. He's been arguably the Nets' second best player this year. Like yeah. I like there's like he's been statistically been very good. Um, like advanced statistics been very good. He's been pretty consistent. Every once in a while, the shots that go up like are a little bit head scratching. But like overall, I mean, he's been. He played 31 minutes a game, less than two turnovers as like a, a sort of volumey point guard. I mean, like yeah, yeah. he he just is a very consistent guy. Tonight, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, two turnovers. That's hilarious because the two turnovers were like unbelievably bad passes that just basically hit fans before they hit any player on the team. Just but those were literally in the third row. So so you watch those, you're like, oh, didn't win again. There was only two turnovers in 40 minutes. 
He had yeah. no other turnovers in 40 minutes. Like people, it's he, he's such a weird player because he does high profile things that will drive you nuts, and right. you will only remember those that things. Diminish all the substance to his and game. it and it wipes yeah. away everything else. It wipes yeah. away everything yeah. else in, in people's minds. And so then even they turn, you know, you say you have blinders like in a good way. People have blinders in the other way when it comes to oh, of course, right? They're they like they cannot right. stand it, and it does not matter what he does. But if you look at the stats, the stats are unassailable. Like he's yeah. been in net rating, he's been the Nets' best player. That's like played real minutes. Um, yeah, right. And so I just like don't. I just I I just like I, I'm I would encourage people to like look at the whole thing here with him and not just the parts you dislike because he's just been good. He's been good. He's been good. There's like there's no there's really no argument. He's just been a good player. I, I'm just gonna throw this up real quick. Of course they can. Why not? Can they yeah, beat the Knicks? But they can beat anybody. Beat the world. They just beat the Phoenix Suns. Stop it. Big three who. One thing, uh, can I, this is a little bit off topic here. Feel free to, uh, again, at Locked On Nets, we'll start to wrap ourselves up here and get out the door on a Saturday night. We said, by the way, the shame that we felt around not being there live after the Phoenix win. This is what you get. Saturday night, even after a loss against the Warriors, we show up. Um, can I, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I had this thought during the game, and, you know, why bother filtering it? If the Warriors were starting to ship dudes off, Chris Paul, like, I'm like, I watch Chris Paul off the bench with that volume of assists, and I'm like, God, even a, even a, even the corpse of Chris Paul would be really nice for the Brooklyn Nets to have, like, coming off of their bench as a pure point guard setting the table. Like, it did cross my mind. Like, I wonder what that looks like as the deadline approaches, because this team, the Warriors, they beat the Nets tonight, but they're going the wrong way this year. It would sure seem like it. Um, I mean, like, there's nothing about it that makes sense. But I agree with you as like a connector and a guy who can like run pick and roll and like sort of set other people up. Yeah, it's like just, the Nets, when you see that, you're like, like they, ooh, ooh, some of that. I want some of that over here, please. Yeah, I still don't think it's like totally right. I mean, I know what you're saying. It's like never going to happen. But I, I know no. what you're kind of saying. The like the the connector piece and yeah, I can see it. But I don't, I'm not even sure like that's what the Nets need. I, I think they actually need. <laughs> they really just like kind of needs like guys like Simmons like to, cause like, cause I don't think bridges and, and, and cam and guys like this need connectors as much as they need like screen setters, um, sort of chaos inducers, like kind of like guys like that, that can just, and that have good vision, like Ben that just shot 50% more at the, at the rim. Like that's like the kind of guy that those guys would really be. Well, I mean, Tamro's got, a I actually don't even think that. like Luca would be not a great fit with cam. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, he'd make the team way better, obviously, but like, but if you look at who plays off ball with them, it's not guys like Cam Thomas. It's like, yeah. I mean, they have Dante Exum running off ball and they've been like really good with it right now. And he's, cause he's like a, a rangy defender can hit some threes. Doesn't need that the ball all the time. I mean, obviously Kyrie um, is with them, but he's like, he's like sort of next level, but the defense has been atrocious with those guys. I don't know. I just thought, like, I don't think that'd be a good mix. Mikhail would be great um, because he does I don't, like it can just do a couple more things and maybe just a little bit defensively. I, I guess my point is that like, I, there's a lot of know. little I'm, things that there's a lot of different types of pieces that you could add to this team that would improve things like marginal moves, not superstar level moves. But I think this is your point is like, and there's also a hierarchy to what would actually make things better because in theory, adding a player that you're talking about a little bit of a chaos maker, a little bit of Ben Simmons type of mold then would make, the Spencer Dinwiddie role that much more elevated or would make Mikhail Bridges role that much more effective, right? Like, so you can get to the same end result through different means. It doesn't have to just be, oh, we need more on-ball creators, point stop in the backcourt. That's the only agenda. 
How about Jokic? Add him. Let's see what happens. Oh, Let's see what happens. I was thinking about that the other day. I said Ben Simmons for Joker straight up. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever. Okay. I think we're going to get out of here. Really appreciate everyone here. Jumped in here late on a Saturday night, even after the L. Hey, sometimes it happens. Yeah, Still come in, muck it up, talk Nets basketball. We uh, will be here probably the day after the Jazz game if we're just talking about um, just scheduling notes about what's coming up because one more game on this West Coast trip and then we're going to get out of here. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe or listen to the podcast as well. Hey, listen, it was a bad game, but I guess it's better than being the Godfather 3. That's a quote from the little-known gem of The Last Man on Earth. I'm re-watching that series right now, Doug. Having a great time. Oh, there you go. One of the all-time great show poets. We'll be back again. Right. Uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'